All right. Well, thank you all for the privilege of being able to open God's Word with you tonight. Um, I know some of you, I know uh, many of, of us have not had the opportunity to meet. So those who haven't had the chance to meet yet, my, like uh, Cole said, my name is Evan Smith. Uh, my family and, and I have uh, been attending UBC since about Christmas of 2019 and joined the church there that, that fateful spring of 2020, right around the time everything shut down. Um, and, uh, but even through that, uh, just through some members here, uh, really drew us in and cared for us even while things weren't going on and made us feel apart. And so it's just, uh, really been our pleasure to, to try to engraft ourselves here into the body and to, um, yeah, just to, to, worship with you all, to fellowship with you, and so we're so thankful to be here, and I'm thankful to be able to share the word uh, with you tonight. Um, so with that, let's, uh, I know we just, uh, just pray, but let me pray again, just that the Lord will uh, speak clearly through me, and then we'll turn to his word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have not left us to try to figure out who you are on our own, but you have revealed yourself to us. And you have given us, um, told us who you are. You tell us who we are. You tell us what you want from us and how we can have a relationship with you. Um, it's all right here in your word. So Lord, tonight I pray that you would just help me not to get in the way, um, to be clear, and that you would um, help us to hear what you want to say to us. I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you have the uh, scriptures there in your handout. Um, you may be looking at it in your copy of God's Word or on your phone. But you can see that the verses we're looking at, there, verses uh, 25 and 26 in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. These two verses that we're looking at come towards the end of really a larger kind of extended section that goes back to chapter 8, where Paul is addressing um, a question about food offered to idols. Um, and so now here we are in northwest Arkansas in 2022 um, in Western culture, and I just wonder if we had a, share of, a show of hands, how many of you know anyone personally that's, that you know has offered food to idols outside of Mike Griffiths, who I think maybe, given his travels, might? See, maybe another one, one hand in the back. How many of us? Oh, yeah, the footerers. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Forget, know your room, right? So, yes, a couple of us, but this is a pretty large crowd, and I didn't see very many hands. And I wonder how many of us ever, when we go to Harps or to uh, Walmart or you go to Outback or to McDonald's or wherever you go, you might wonder where your food came from, where that meat came from, but I wonder how many of us ever, the question has ever even crossed our mind, has this food been sacrificed to idols, offered to idols? It's probably not something any of us have ever thought for. So at the outset, this text, this topic might seem a little bit disconnected from us. 
right, and, and seem kind of foreign, uh, really. But to the Corinthians, it was pressing, right? They lived in a town, a town, a city that um, idols were everywhere, and idol worship was everywhere. It was just a normal part of everyday life, and it was something that was very much on their minds. Um, We know uh, from our studies of the New Testament that in the book of Acts, chapter 15, you remember when uh, the church in Jerusalem, the elders and the apostles first heard that Christian, that Gentiles were being converted, turning to Christ. And they said, great, you know, what, what should we tell them to do? And said, we don't want to lay any burdens on them. They don't have to follow the Mosaic law, but really just gave them a few things. And one of those was don't eat food offered to idols. And so that seems pretty clear in and of itself. That, had already, that question had already been addressed. And yet, as these Christians in Corinth and in some other places, it seems, from Paul's letters, were trying to live that out, they figured out this isn't really that simple, right? Um, Because it's one thing, what does that really mean? What does that look like when you say don't eat food sacrificed to idols? Does it mean strictly don't go to the temple of Apollo and um, sit in one of those rituals and eat that meat as part of that ritual? Um, Does it go further than that, right? Um, If we're going to eat with at the neighbors, they're having a barbecue. Do I need to worry about where that food came from? If I'm going to the meat market like we have in this text, do I need to worry where that food comes? What's my responsibility here? And Paul, we would really like for you just to make this simple for us and give us a specific list of exactly where the line is so we make sure that we don't cross over it. So that's kind of the context that Paul's answering here. We have just these two verses of it, but Paul really gives a pretty extended answer um, to that. But here in these verses, what he says is pretty clear, pretty straightforward. In verse 25, he says, listen, you want to know what food is off limits to you with regard to food offered to idols? He says, nothing in the meat market is off limits to you. Um, you're free to buy whatever food you want in the meat market without asking the question. Because that could be pretty tricky, right? Do we have to go every time? Ask the guy at the, at the, the butcher, hey, where did you get this food? Ask the neighbor, where did you get this food? Okay, you got it from Sam over here at the farm. Well, if Sam's a meat wholesaler, where did he get that food, right? Paul says, you don't have to even ask those things. If it's there, eat it, whatever is in front of you. It says, basically, the only thing that you're limited by when you go to the market, Corinthians, is your own personal preferences and your budget, in some sense. As far as whether this food is sinful or that food is sinful, that question isn't one that you need to worry about. And then in verse 26, he gives the reason for it. And says, here's why, and it comes from Psalm 24 that Mike uh, preached for you this morning. I'm sorry, one of the, th- one of, as a sidebar, one of the things that it said is make sure to incorporate the Sunday morning s- service into the text that goes with it. And that makes sense. The problem is I was on security duty during this ser- Sunday morning sermon this morning, so I didn't hear it. It wasn't on the podcast yet. But I trust that Mike shared with you that in verse 1 of chapter 24, it tells us, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, or, or everything in it. And that's the, that's the basis that Paul argues here 
he says, the reason that you're free to eat anything, any of the food that's offered in the market is because it ultimately all comes from God. It all comes from him and it all belongs to him. So maybe in the meat market, the food, meat came straight from the farm. Maybe it came from the temple of Apollo. But where did it come from before that? Before it went to the temple of Apollo, it was out at the farm. And where did it, how did it get there? God. And he says, all of it ultimately came from God. And then he says, I think the other thing, point you can make there, that it's all God's, is the idols, they may make some kind of claim on that food, but they don't get to have it because the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. God made it. The idols didn't make it. God owns it. The idols didn't own it. I mean, the one example that kind of comes to mind specifically this week I was thinking about is the rainbow, right? And so think about that. When we see rainbows everywhere, and I think as Christians, think, oh, you can't wear a rainbow. Like people will think if you wear a rainbow, they're thinking that you're making a statement that you affirm and support LGBTQ. Well, guess what? LGBTQ didn't make the rainbow, and they don't own the rainbow. And so on the grounds of that, I think Paul would say the earth is the Lord's, and so are the rainbows. If you want to wear a rainbow, wear a rainbow. So what he's ultimately saying, I think, here is that it all comes from God. It all belongs to God. Therefore, the question, is this food sinful, is the wrong question to be asking the Corinthians need to be asking a better question than, is this food sinful? Is that food sinful? And so do we. See, I know, like we said at the beginning, most of us probably aren't worried about whether our food was offered to idols or not. Probably doesn't even cross it, come into our mind. But there are other questions, I think, that some, at least some of us have wondered from time to time, right, of what faithfulness looks like for a Christian, um, what does faithfulness look like with regards to our clothing styles? Is it okay for a Christian to wear jeans that are all holy, right? When I was a kid growing up, that had been something probably in my church that said, you can't wear that, right? You need to wear your shirt tucked in and wear jeans that don't have holes in them. Um, you know, is it okay for Christians to have men to have long hair? Is it okay for Christian women to have shaved heads? Is it okay for Christians to have piercings in their ears or in their nose or in their lips? Is it okay for Christians to have tattoos? Is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? Is it okay for Christians to do this? All, and the list goes on and on and on of these questions that we raise. And I think that Paul would say to us also, these are the wrong questions. The earth is the Lord's. So are the clothes. So are the drinks. So are the hair, so are the earlobes and the noses and the lips and the shoulders with the sleeves on them, right? It all belongs to God. We need better questions than, is this sinful? And so a few questions that I think come to mind that are better questions that may guide us in trying to think of how we live faithfully with some of these things that maybe the Bible doesn't address specifically and give us a specific prohibition against are these. And number one is just, am I enjoying this as a gift from God or in spite of God? I know some of you have tattoos. 
I have some tattoos myself. I don't see a strict prohibition. The Bible says you're not allowed to have a tattoo if you're a follower of Jesus. And yet I would have to say in hindsight for, my, for myself, when I look back, what was my motivation in getting the tattoos I have? People ask me that all the time. What does that tattoo mean? What does that tattoo mean? What's that one? And I have to say, honestly, that means nothing. It was a design that I saw that I thought would look cool and it would make me look cool. And the reason that I got the tattoos I have is complete vanity because as a 20-something-year-old, I wanted to look cool. When I graduated high school, the last day of school, I left school and went to Claire's Boutique, very manly, and got both of my ears pierced. Why? Because total vanity. Do I think it's a sin for a man to have his ear pierced? No, I don't think really God cares if you have an ear or not. But the heart, why did I do it? Because I wanted people, I cared what people thought I looked like, right? And so am I doing this because it glorifies God, because it's something that is going to show people that I love God, show God's goodness? Is that something I'm doing because I'm enjoying God's freedom that he's given me in Christ? Have I even considered that? Or am I just doing it because it's something I want to do? And it's because it's something that's going to make me look better or make me feel better. I think that's a good question to ask. I think a second good question that Paul talks about in this whole section here is, in doing this, am I loving my neighbor or am I just living for myself? He, he raises that pretty explicitly in this chapter, especially right in the verses before us, verse 24, he says, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. You know, I know we have a class here right now about um, the fear of man. And there is definitely an unhealthy fear of man, of doing things because we want to look good for people and toe their line, right, and follow the tradition so, we, so people think well of us. And that's unhealthy and, and not what God wants for us. But at the same time, we have to really be honest and say the New Testament has a whole lot to say about sacrificing our wills and our desires and our liberty and our freedom to help our brothers and sisters. And so I think that's something that is important for us, that the Bible would tell us is important for us to consider when we are thinking about these issues. And then lastly, and most importantly, to believe is just, am I trusting in my rule keeping or am I trusting in Jesus? And I think that really gets to the heart of this question because it just seems to be such a human, just in us to want a list, right? Just give me a list so I can keep score, so I can know that I'm doing okay. So I can judge myself and know I'm acceptable to God because I did this, I checked it off, I checked it off, I checked it. So tell me exactly what the boundaries are so I can know that I'm within them and I know that I'm pleasing to God because I did it. And I think that's what they're getting at here, a lot of them, the Corinthians, with these questions. Tell us more. Tell us exactly where the line is so we can know where we can tiptoe right up to the edge of it without going over and be okay with God. But we can't be okay with God by our rule keeping. Right? There's, there's not a list that we're capable of keeping. God has a list. The whole Bible is, gives us a list. We're incapable of keeping it. Even if it was 
one command long. We can't keep it. And so I think what Paul would say to us and want us to take from this is, listen, you don't need me to give you a list. You don't need me to give you a set of rules for you to keep so you can keep score for yourself. What you need is Jesus. You break the rules, so you need somebody to die for your sin. You stand guilty because you can't keep the rules, so you need Jesus to die for your sin to make you right with God. You can't, even if I gave you a list, you couldn't keep it, so you need somebody else's record of righteousness to stand for you. And so if you're lost tonight, if you're, don't, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus, what you need to be made right with God is not the right rules, is not a list, is not for me or anybody here to tell you, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be right with God, because you can't do it. What you need is to know that there's somebody who did keep all of the rules perfectly for you, and somebody who's paid the price for the fact that you didn't keep the rules. But listen, that's not just for unbelievers, right? That's the trap I think the Corinthians were falling into and the trap that so many of us fall into is we think, yes, I know Jesus died for my sin. I repented. I trusted in him to become a Christian. But then it just creeps back into our mind that the way that I'm going to stay in God's good graces is by keeping the rules, is by knowing the list, knowing where the line is and making sure I stay within it. And that way God will be pleased with me. He'll look at me and he'll accept me because I've kept all of the rules. And that's a lie. And that's not the gospel. The same gospel that saves us, that made us acceptable to God, is the same gospel that keeps us acceptable to God every day. And so Christians tonight, what we need is not to know where the line is and not a list of rules and not set something to keep score for ourselves. What we need still is to keep trusting in Jesus. And know that we are accepted by God only, finally, and completely. As as accepted as we could ever be because of Jesus. And because of trusting in him and what he's already done for us.